Welcome to Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than just a church. We're family. Today's message is on The Meaning of Christmas by Steve Owings. For more information on this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Sometimes, uh, anybody that's been around me a long time, yeah, I can see certain stuff and all of a sudden the wheels start rolling more like the wheels on a dragster. They start spinning. And uh, just driving around last night uh, was so phenomenal. I was sharing with somebody, uh, a gentleman that's starting a ministry. He took over a ministry on the CU campus, uh, InterVarsity. And he came and met with me, and he was, he was talking to me about healing. And this isn't in my notes, it's a bonus, but uh, he was talking to me about healing, and he was just asking how it really works. And uh, Dom's hat is up there, and you have it down here, so no fighting. <laughs> it doesn't work when both of you twist the knobs in opposite directions. <laughs> But he was asking about healing, and I was just telling him that when, when we're in large settings, there's all these people that have needs. There's all these people that show up at a healing meeting, especially when people have been getting healed. People just show up, and it's so easy to get wrapped up in the emotion of what you see, and you can see hurting people, and they're all hurting at different levels, but they're all hurting into them, and it's, you know, out of a 1 to 10, it's a 12, a 15. And so... He was just asking about it, and I said, what I've really found is that you go where God is highlighting somebody in the room, and it doesn't matter how many people are begging or how many people are lying. You really want to find somebody that's in the room that you know yourself that God is touching. And no matter what it is, you go and you pray for that person, or when that person gets healed, then the faith in the room rises. And then you pray for another person where God is highlighting, and then the faith rises. And then pretty soon, you can pretty much pray for just about anybody with anything, and they start getting healed. Because as the faith in the room rises, people just get healed. People get healed, and you don't even have to pray for them because they saw somebody else get healed, and they get so excited, they realize that their body's been touched. And I got to tell you, when you're in a room of 10,000 people and... Five or 6,000 of them came there to be healed, and there's only like 20 or 30 of you, God definitely has to show up at a way higher level, and you have to be willing to listen to him. And so with that being said, when we were driving around, we drove all over Lafayette. We drove through all different neighborhoods. The, the lady who set it up, she set up the route, and so we didn't go down up and down every street, but we definitely went intense through different neighborhoods from one end of Lafayette to the other. And I noticed that there were certain places that we went that we were towards the end of the the deal. There was just a few cars behind us. And I just noticed places we went, sometimes when we get there, people would start cheering. And there's certain neighborhoods where people were just like cheering and screaming yes, and people were posting stuff on Facebook. And uh, I was realizing that God was just showing me different areas of the city that I know that God is going to give us tremendous breakthrough in. And 
It doesn't matter what our view of the need is. What matters is, is what God is showing us. And God was just showing me as we drove all over this, there's certain areas we're going to have favor. And I really believe that each one of those areas is going to be a little different because right up here, uh, kind of back behind King Supers, most of the people had those signs that talk about science is real and God is fake and we need love and kindness and, and all that. But I'll tell you, when we were there, even though two-thirds of the houses had those signs up for Christmas, people were very open to us being there. And I realized that no matter how dark it is, we're driving through with 2,400 ultra-bright LEDs covering this car. And you know what? You're lighting up the darkness. And it was a... It was a it was a physical rep representation of what we were doing. And there were areas that you definitely felt different than other areas. And so uh, I just really know that moving into this next year that God is going to do some great, spectacular, marvelous things. And uh, another thing that God had put on my heart a long time ago, uh, that this week I met with Edgar. Hi, Edgar. So I met with Edgar, and uh, we, we were just talking about ministry, and uh, they live down in Boulder Ridge where we've tried to do things, and it really hasn't worked out. And I was just saying, you know, we really need to identify what the needs of the Spanish-speaking community is so that we can meet the needs, especially after hearing the statistics last week. We need to identify what the needs are and then pick like the top two and figure out how we can start meeting those needs. And just as we were talking, we realized we've tried to do outreaches over there, but we've just been shut down by, by people. And uh, so I was, in my mind, I'm thinking junior high and high school, and I said, hey, we, we got the van. How about if we start bringing kids down to the clubhouse so we can just come and start picking up kids and bringing them? And then, so that was my thought. And Edgar's like, but I have all these ones that want to come on Sunday morning, that want to come to children's church that are in elementary school. And I said, well, we can start picking them up. And the, the awesome thing is, is our van was broke. It needed a new motor. And Edgar already put the motor in the van, so he was sewing forward. <laughs> He, he, he sewed forward before he ever knew what he was sewing. And then as we got to talking, we just realized that how many trips would you have to start making with the van right away? And I can honestly tell you, Bruno and I were sitting there, and we've been in this situation before. There's been lots of times that people wanted to give us school buses, but every school bus that somebody wants to give you has six dry-rotted tires, and they're about, they're a lot for bus tires. And Edgar owns a tire shop, and he has ways of getting used tires that would be perfectly good, and we're not driving down the highway. But it was just kind of interesting, because that's one of the things before when we wanted to do this that held us back. And it was just kind of interesting that we were talking, and here we are. And I can tell you, just from our church history as our church from the very beginning, is that when you reach the kids, you reach the parents. We had parents come to our church and sit down and say, I'm only here because I've seen the change in my son, or I'm only here because I've seen the change in my daughter, and I had to come and see what you were doing 
because this has been going on for months and it's only getting better and I had to come. I had one lady tell me that she grew up in the church and when she was, she goes, I know that we're supposed to lead our children to God, but you've made my children lead me back to God. So I can tell you, it's just going back to the roots, it's going back to the basics and and I just really believe that in the, in, the, in the first part of the year, we're going to need some people that, A, have commercial or bus driver's license. I know we already have some. And, and people that just want to, uh, to take on that on, on Wednesdays, Wednesday evenings for junior high, on Sunday mornings for our picking up kids for church and children's church. And uh, I just really believe God's going to do some some great things. Sunday night for high school. So, beyond that, I don't want to go into anything else because <laughs> I'll say something and John will go build it and <laughs> say, John, we didn't need it till June. And he'll say, but I found the stuff on Craigslist for free. And <laughs> There's all kinds of people out here <laughs> that would do those kind of things. Rock would build it, find it. Mm. So, what's the true meaning of Christmas? You know, it's that time of year again. December's come. We have all the joys of Christmas, but this year we also have all the fears of Christmas. You, you really have, I, I just really see being out there, you have two classifications of people. You have the people that are absolutely petrified of everything, and you have the people that are absolutely downtrodden and they're sick and tired of being held back. And both sides, uh, nobody's really living in the fullness. And I got to tell you, is we can focus on that negative part or we can really focus on the real meaning of Christmas. The real meaning of Christmas is joy. When you look at the real meaning of Christmas, as we're just going to go through it, but in a nutshell, the real meaning of Christmas is they were all hopeless. Everybody in the world was hopeless. Even the most religious people, even the most devout religious people, even the most set-apart people were all hopeless without a Savior. And everybody, as we just read through the Scripture, it's no different than today, Everybody had a doctrine and everybody had an idea of how to solve the problem. Whether it was with other gods, whether it was being more devout, whether it was following this, whether it was believing this or believing that. But the reality was they were all hopeless. And so when the real answer came, everybody overlooked the answer because they had already figured out the solution and they were trying to figure out how the answer was going to work into their problem. Instead of realizing that the answer was the answer, and you don't have to know how it works out. It's kind of like a massive calculus problem. We can look at all the numbers and letters and, and symbols, but you know what? If you have the answer, you have the answer, and that's really what we're trying to get. And God brought us the answer. You know, what's the real meaning of Christmas? Is it gifts under the tree? Is it lights in your windows and all over your car? 
Is it the cards in the mail? Is it the turkey dinner with your family and friends on Skype or on Zoom or on FaceTime? Is it the snow in the yard? Is it the stockings hanging in the living room? Is it the shouts of Merry Christmas to everyone who passes on the street? You know, is that really Christmas? I got to tell you, that's what everybody's complaining about. We can't get together. We can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. But you know what? All that stuff really has nothing to do with Christmas. The stuff we're most upset about is not the true meaning. For a lot of people, Christmas is a time of sorrow. They've lost people at this time of year or they miss people more at this time of year. They don't have the extra money to buy presents for their children, for their family, for their friends. They think of all those who aren't going to be able to come home for various reasons, those they're not going to be able to see. Even having some kind of dinner is only going to be a wish and not a reality for some people this year. But you know what? Christmas is just a season of great joy. It's a time when God shows us his greatest love. I can honestly tell you, when we were driving around last night, I was totally shocked at, you can just tell some people have been locked up so long. There's people standing out on the sidewalk in 40 degree weather, in their pajamas with their kids, all barefoot, <laughs> and they're cheering and they're clapping. Why? Because they've been locked up at home with their kids. They haven't been leaving. They've been living a very isolated life. They've been having all their stuff delivered and to see the Christmas lights come to their house in a very safe place where they can stand on their porch, on their sidewalk, where they can look out their window and open up the window and scream to you, Merry Christmas. You could just tell that there was such a pent-up energy, there was such a longing that even something as simple as a group of crazy people all trying to figure out how to put lights and blow-ups on cars. and <laughs> Something that simple brought such a joy in the people's faces, in their actions. If it was a normal Christmas, most people wouldn't be sitting out there in lawn chairs in 40-degree weather waiting for somebody to drive by. They'd be in their car driving by other houses. You know, it's a time, it's, Christmas is a time of healing. It's a time of renewing strength. See, when we celebrate the birth of the Christ child, we realize that God sent his son Jesus into the world. His birth brought, brought such great joy to the world. 
It brought the ultimate healing. Just think about the shepherds. I mean, for me, ever since I've been a Christian, the thing I didn't really realize out of Christmas, because the little tiny bit I knew about church was what you see at a manger at Christmas time. Do you know what? The kings weren't there. I don't want to break anybody's heart, but the kings weren't there for a long time. Number two is they weren't really kings. Number three, there was no inn or no innkeeper, as we know it as an inn. We don't even know for sure there were three. We just know there were three gifts. See, we think about these simple things, but when I read the story, the king, the son of God, who was there when the earth was created, who was there in Genesis 1, who was a part of that whole thing, The one who was there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who was there with Moses, was there with Noah. When the king came to earth as a man, who did the angels show up and talk to? The shepherds out in the field. They didn't go tell the kings. They didn't go tell the church. They didn't go tell the synagogue. They didn't tell the, the rulers. They didn't tell the smartest people. They didn't tell the most devout people. They showed up and they shared their joy with shepherds on the side of a hill. And you've got to realize, the shepherds, all they had was their sheep. And it says they ran away and they left their sheep in the middle of the night to go see this great thing that the angels had sung about. They were ecstatic. It wasn't kings on camels. It wasn't people with gold. It was shepherds showing up and bowing down. And just like the song that they danced to, the answer to the song is no, Mary didn't know. <laughs> she had no idea that her son was going to walk on water. She had no idea that her son was going to bring sight to a blind man. She had no idea. She only knew the theory of what it meant to be the chosen one to bring the Messiah. And beyond that very beginning theory, from there, it just got blasted out into untruths and fables. He wasn't going to turn over the government. He wasn't going to. Everything else, other than he was going to be born of a virgin and he was going to bring it, the way they thought it was all going to come was not the way it was going to come. How many times are we trying to tell God how to do things and we're reminding him what he needs to do and what's going on around us? We're reminding him of our needs, of our wants, of our desires, of our enemies and how much we detest them, of our situations. See, I really believe when the angels showed up to the shepherds, honestly, the shepherds' only agenda was to take care of their sheep 
so they would have wool to sell and some sheep to sell once in a while. They were just living a very simple life, but yet everything they had was key to them being there, and immediately they left. I want you to fast forward to when Jesus called the 12. What'd they do? They took everything they had, and they left. They just left it behind, and they ran to follow the king. It's the same thing the shepherds did. The only thing they knew was they knew this was no ordinary baby. Because the prophets had been talking about it for hundreds of years. I, I highly doubt, I mean, it, the Bible doesn't tell us, I highly doubt they were theologians and they were sitting around arguing about what this meant. Is this a Sadducee's view? Is this a Pharisaical view? Which rabbi should we follow on what's happening? They didn't care. And I, I know... when they arrived and they saw that child, they were overwhelmed. And how could they not be overwhelmed? When Moses saw God, saw his shadow, God told him, you can't even look at me because you'll die. And then when he came down, just the reflection from being in the presence of God was so great that he had to wear a veil over his face to keep from killing the rest of the Israelites. Just think about these shepherds that after the angels show up, they run down and they're actually face to face with God in the flesh. They weren't worried about dinner that night. They weren't worried about the kids. They weren't worried about the sheep. They had just seen God face to face. The star stopped over Bethlehem just to mark the way for those who were looking for this special child. In Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 19. It says, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged in the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first, firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of Bethlehem, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angel 
had left them and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart. Isn't it amazing? Why did he come? Why would God send his son to come and live as a man in this cruel world? Amongst all the sin, amongst all the fighting, amongst all the division, when you're living in total perfection, why would he do that? See, he sent Jesus so that one day he would grow up and he'd be very important. It cracks me up when you see all the pictures. Like when I was in the army and I lived in Europe and everywhere you go, the baby has a halo and a perfect white. You know what? Jesus grew up just like everybody else. I'm sure he got dirty. I'm sure he had to have his diaper changed. I'm sure he wasn't always the favorite, the teacher's pet. I mean, we get, the, we get these grand ideas that his feet never got dirty because he just kind of floated above the ground. And I'm saying there was something different about him, but you know there wasn't anything extremely different because later on when Jesus comes back, they say, who is this Jesus? Wasn't he born here to Joseph, the carpenter's son? They didn't even take him serious. So you know that he didn't grow up outshining everybody when he grew up as a child. How many of us think that we have to outshine everybody? to show people we're Christians. I believe he didn't outshine anybody, he just didn't partake in the dark side of things. <laughs> His story, the history is one of truth and love and hope. It brings salvation. It brings healing because without Jesus, we'd all die. And then we'd all be totally separated forever from God. One thing on Wednesday when Bruno was teaching on evangelism. He wanted to remind people that so many people today have been lied to. There, there is no purgatory. You can't pray for people after they're dead. 
I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but you can't talk to them. I mean, there, there's, there's not all this stuff going on. The moment you die, you're standing in the presence of the Lord. And at that time, you've already made a choice. Either you're going to be in heaven or you're going to be separated from God and everybody else forever. It's not a party. There's not a party in hell. There's not all these things. It says total separation, total isolation, and total darkness. That's what the scripture tells us. It talks about fire, but it isn't like, <laughs> it's not saying that we're going to be there and there's going to be tormentors there and so we can have some kind of jousting back and forth. It's, it's nothing like that. It's total isolation in total darkness. And without Jesus, there's no way to not go there. Jesus was born so one day he could pay for the price of all the things that we've done wrong. I mean, just think about it. Your little baby. Your, your little tiny baby to give up your child knowing, knowing ahead of time how cruel the world is going to be and knowing the cruel death they're going to face. Most people wouldn't bring them in the world. There's people today that won't have children because they don't think they have enough money in the bank to have a child or to support a child. But if you knew that child was going to be born and everything they were going to go through and it wasn't going to be good and they weren't going to live a long and prosperous life, how would you feel? See, the Bible clearly tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all born with a sin nature. We do things every day that don't please God. Adam and Eve sinned and they passed it off to all of us. It changed the whole landscape. It can't be undone. We've all inherited that sin nature. And we need to have it removed. The only way is through Jesus. Jesus came so that he could die on the cross. Jesus came so that by his stripes we'd be healed emotionally, physically, spiritually. He came so that we could be reconciled with the Father. Before service, I was talking with Manuel out in the, in the lobby, and he was just telling me, and we're going to have to have him share sometime, but when he went into a coma for seven days, he 
he said he was in a whole other space, and he can tell you the whole story, but it was three times you died. So he experienced death three times, and every time was different. And I just heard about the one, but it was kind of interesting because I think that we seem to forget that in God, that God doesn't see all the things we're doing wrong. See, when we're in Jesus, when he looks down, he sees the jewels that we're made to be. He sees the greatness that he put within us. It says that God knit each and every one of us in our mother's womb. Even if you were born in an illegitimate, even if you were born in a horrible way, even if you were born without loving parents or without one parent or the other loving or not knowing who your parents are, no matter what the whole situation is, when it comes to life, God's the giver of life. And he knit each and every one of us together in our mother's womb. And at that time, in the midst of all that is greatness. It's greatness for the kingdom. And I got to tell you is when you start tapping into the greatness for the kingdom, when you start tapping into your kingdom gifts, when you start tapping into who he made you to be, everything else just kind of has a way of working that out. I'm not saying it's super simple. I'm not saying that everything's going to be a bed of roses and you're going to... That's not what I'm saying. You just have to look at Jesus. You still have to walk the path. You still have to grow up. You still have to go to school. You still have to learn how to walk. But I'm going to tell you, when you're in the center of God's will, everything goes so much easier. And no matter how many times we stumble and how many times we fall, it's because of the birth of this son that we can be reconciled. I want to tell you, when God looks down, he sees the jewels within you. He sees you as a jewel. He sees you as perfect and spotless. And he's not seeing you. He's seeing who he made you to be through the lens of Christ's death, of his blood. If we believe that Jesus died for our sins, we can ask him to come into our hearts and forgive us. We can be made clean. We can be made whole. We can know that heaven is a place that we're going to go and we can live forever. Amen. But I got to tell you is if we just get saved and then we just live on that experience, you're never going to have the fulfillment. I got to <laughs> Salvation is just... I, I look at salvation as taking the game piece and putting it on the starting block. <laughs> it's like you're playing Monopoly. You're standing right there. You know when you come back, you get $200. But you look ahead and there's, oh... I don't know if I want to roll. You have to pay tax. There's jail. There's. <laughs> I could land on all Joel and Ingrid's properties and they're going to foreclose on me. They took all my Monopoly money.
see, we can't let it stop there. We need to know that's just the beginning. It's not about reading another book. It's not about hearing another sermon. It's not about going to another conference. It's about applying the things you have. And, and what does that mean today? What does that mean in my situation? What does that mean in the church you put me in? What does that mean in the family you put me in? What does that mean? I got to tell you, a long time ago when we did this, it was so awesome. And I can honestly say it wasn't lots and lots because the whole cross was covered. But sometimes there was people a year later that got saved. And people were able to walk over and say, see, I put your name right here. Nine months ago, I put your name on here, and I've been praying for you, and I can take this off because now you've came to the cross. I didn't have to put you on the cross. That's what I was up here for, and we have more cards if you want to put somebody on there. That's people we're going to be praying for. It's people that we want to see come to the kingdom. We want to, it's people that, that need to be saved. And all of us probably have enough, if we stop and think about it, to fill the cross. But we've got to start somewhere. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. How many of us live in a place where we confess our sins to him and he cleanses them and then the next day you confess your sins to him and he cleanses them and then a month later you confess your sins to him, the same ones, and he cleanses them. We need to understand is that when he takes them, they're as far as the east is from the west. We have to quit picking them up. We have to quit going back. Solomon in Proverbs says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool to his folly. We can't go back to where we were. Right. It's not a time for backtracking. It's not a time for reflection. It's not a time for pondering. It's, it's not a time to keep asking God, what do you have for me? It's not a time to say, God, you need to lead me. I guarantee you, he's already leading you. He's already calling you. He's already telling you what to do. It's a time for listening and stepping out and just doing what he said and letting him take care of the rest. And yeah, we're going to fall. Yeah, we're going to get skinned knees. But I'll tell you, no great athlete ever gets great if they don't fall down. If they don't fail over and over and over If we really believe that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness, but we have to choose to walk in it. You can take an alcoholic or a drug addict and you can get them clean, but you can't make them not take another drink, not take another pill, not take another shot, another smoke. You know what? We can truly be happy at Christmas. No matter what's happening. 
No matter if we can be with our family or we can't be with our family. No matter what the disarray is. No matter what people's opinions are. No matter what people think. We can be happy. Why? Because we know it's not about all those things. All those things are great, but it's not about any of those things. It's about the fact is we're celebrating the one who came to save us. And that same one is the one that came to save all of them too. We can't condemn people because they're living in fear because we're stumbling in some other way. I just encourage you to look at Christmas in a new way this year. If you haven't done it, this is the year to invite Jesus into your heart. If you have done it and you haven't been following him, then just say, you know what? I want to follow you from here on out. I've missed it. I've been focused on the wrong things. I don't really believe you have to be born again again. I think you just need to get back on the path and start doing what God called you to do. If you invite Jesus into your heart, if you start following after Jesus, if you start listening to Jesus, and you start walking those things out, even if it's baby steps, even if it's like little Uriah, he takes three steps and then falls over and crawls the rest of the way. Even if you're just doing that tiny bit of effort, then you're going to really have a Merry Christmas. The joy, the peace you're going to receive is going to be above and beyond anything else. It's going to take you further, faster than you ever dreamed or imagined. Jesus is really the reason for the season. And I would pretty much guarantee you that for most people, the anything that they are disappointed about right now in this time of year probably has very little to do with Jesus and has a lot more to do with the world in some way, shape, or fashion. If I could have that team come up. Lauren's going to sing a new song she just wrote for us while she was sitting there. No. <laughs> I tried. This morning, I just want everybody just to take a moment and just close your eyes, just sitting right where you're sitting. I don't want you to ponder all the ways you've missed it, all the ways you failed, all the balls you've dropped. I just want you just to take a moment and kind of just clear your mind.
and just open your ears and hear what the Spirit of the Lord would have to tell you this morning. God isn't bringing harsh correction. God isn't telling you where you failed. I guarantee you, you're going to know it's the voice of God because he's going to be encouraging you. He's going to be showing you what you're called to do, and you can't take that in a negative way. You need to take that in a way of, yes, Lord, I want to do that. Show me the way. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to step out anyway. This is what you want me to do. Lord, I just thank you now for speaking to people's hearts, Lord. I thank you now for releasing dreams and visions, for renewing, Lord, shining light on things that have been spoken, things that have been said. Prophetic words, Lord, that it would just come forth, that it would just be a great reminder. Lord, open our eyes that we would see people as you see them. Open our ears that we would hear you in what you want us to do in these situations. Lord, I just pray for a release in people's lives here this morning, a release in their minds. Lord, may their minds be renewed. May your thoughts be their thoughts. May your ways be their ways. Lord, may we be able to leave this place today knowing the true joy that you have for us. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you.